Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our final episode in this wonderful series on teachers. The women in this series have seriously inspired me in their passion, devotion to growing others, and the legacies they are leading right now. What an honor to share each one of them with this wonderful In Awe community. You are going to love today's guest. Tiffany Ott is the Director of Curriculum Development with the Teach Better team, a high school math teacher in Ohio, the founder of Hashtag Mastery Chat, and an educational technology fanatic. She just can't get enough of teaching and learning. Whether it's connecting with a teacher struggling to make mastery learning work, writing about education, designing units, or speaking up on a stage to teachers who want to change the world with awesome teaching, she is hooked on all things education. In this episode, we learn how Tiffany got into education, and you will be inspired by her passion as well as the vulnerability she shares overcoming personal challenges in wellness. I am so inspired by this incredible woman and cannot wait for you to hear her awe-inspiring message. I am honored to amplify for you Tiffany Ott's teacher story. Welcome, Tiffany Ott, to the Enough Podcast. I am so excited to have you featured this month in the series on teachers. It is absolutely perfect. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you tonight, Sarah. Tiffany, what I didn't tell you this, but I was an English teacher and I have to tell you that every time we had a new math teacher, guess what they were labeled? <laughs> what? They were my work BFF every single time. <laughs> That's because math teachers are fabulous. They are amazing. So I knew that we we're supposed to have this conversation and ELA teachers and math teachers aren't supposed to love each other, but I already love you. Yes. I love it. I love it. There is a rift there and there shouldn't be because ELA is fabulous. I actually taught ELA too for a while. I've taught a million different things. So I, I taught ELA and math and science and the whole shebang. See, I should have known. Okay. So <laughs> while you're at it, why don't you just go ahead and, and share some of your current context and that way our listeners who don't know you, which would be a crazy thing, but if they don't, they could get to know a little bit about you. Sure. So right now I'm kind of living in two different worlds in my career. So a lot of time I am a high school math teacher. I am, I'm part-time there, although it frequently feels like a full-time job. And I work <laughs> at Western Reserve Academy in Northeast Ohio. I teach mostly freshmen and sophomores math that I absolutely love it. And I also work with the Teach Better team, which if you don't know who it is, anybody who's listening, it's a pretty fabulous group of people who are really passionate about moving education forward and helping support teachers and educators as they grow. So I kind of split my time somewhat well between those two things, although they both feel like full-time jobs sometimes. <laughs> I kind of laughed when you said you're a part-time teacher because there's something that those of us that are in education, you know, and maybe that's in other professions too. I wonder if there is such thing as a part-time job. I really don't think there is, especially when it's a job that you are really passionate about. You know, when you love what you do, there's no such thing as part-time and that's where I'm at. So I love what I do. Yeah. So you're living in those passions. I love it. And and you are part of the Teach Better team, which just seems to be quite perfect that will feature you. So do you just want to share a little bit about maybe the backstory on that? How did you get you know, connected with the Teach Better team? What's your role there? And just kind of unpack that a little bit. Sure. That's quite the story. Um, so a few years back, I was actually teaching in a different position, third, fourth, and fifth grade. And I was at the park for a play date because I have three kids, um, two girls and a boy. And I was at the park for a play date with my middle child and a friend of mine who I went to high school with. 
And she happened to be married to Jeff Gargas, who's another person on the Teach Better team. (laughs) And so Jeff and I just started talking about education and geeking out about all these great things that his friend Chad Ostrowski was trying out in education. And the conversation just kind of evolved. And I started writing some blogs. And at the time, probably, gosh, three or four years ago, Teach Better was in its very infancy. So it was just, you know, our little core group of three of us figuring this out together and writing about education and trying to connect with other people. And over the last several years, it has just exploded. And we brought Ray Hewitt on board, who is an incredible educator from Illinois. I adore her. And we work with teachers. We train in schools. We blog. We I don't know. We write, we do all sorts of, we have our hands on a lot of different things, Sarah. Sometimes it's hard to keep track of everything we do. So some of my primary roles is technically I'm the director of curriculum development, but that pretty much means I do a little bit of everything. <laughs> does, does that help? <laughs> Sounds like just in a school. Yes. <laughs> we, we wear a lot of hats. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, so I do, I do a lot with the group. I love it. Oh, that's so wonderful. And for our listeners, you've got to check out the Teach Better team if you're not aware of them. And I'll, of course, link all of your stuff up at the end of the show uh, because... And I love that you're connected with Jeff through his wife. And we've had Ray on the podcast, just a a really genuinely lovely group of people. And I will tell you that your resources have helped. My husband's a teacher and we've been talking about, um, you know, standards-based assessments and all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. the, the team, you just all put together such a lovely kind of philanthropic crew of resources that people can use. And I love that about you. You're just so giving of your time and your energies and your passions. Well, and that's, that's so critically important to us that people see us not as a group of people who are writing blogs or telling stuff to others, but as like, we're in the trenches with everyone. Like we're figuring this all out as we go. And really what we want is to be a resource for others and a group of people that other educators can count on to help them through the hard things, to help push them, to help push each other. And so it's this very um, authentic, very collaborative process. So when I, when I'm on, when I say I'm on the teach better team, it really feels like we're all the teach better team and we're all this big family trying to figure it all out together. And that's, that's a really joyful place to be for me. Well, I'm happy to affirm for you that that message comes through loud and clear um, in every engagement that I've ever had with you all. So thank you for all the good work you do in this world, Tiffany, it really, really matters. Thank you. Yeah. And so just quickly to get to this, I want you to be able to share about a big project that you all have launching like really right meow. (laughs) Yes. Like hours from this exact moment, Sarah. Oh, we're so excited. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hear about it. We have been on a journey for the last year and a half, almost two years of writing our story. And our book, Teach Better, comes out September 25th, which as we're recording this podcast is in three hours and 20 minutes, not that I'm counting down or anything. (laughs) Um, So, so this book is really, uh, it's such a piece of my heart and such a piece of my soul. It has been, it's a, it's a combination of memoir where we share our stories and our struggles and our rock bottoms and how we all came together, the four of us on this team. And it's filled with strategies and ideas that you can put in place right away to start being better for your students tomorrow. And really the underlying philosophy of teach better is that it doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what challenges you have, what successes or failures you have. 
The goal is constantly to be better today than you were yesterday and better tomorrow than you are today. It's about reflection. It's about growth. It's about continuous improvement. And so the book is really our stories of how we got to that mindset mindset, and our stories of how we push ourselves to constantly work to do just that one more step to make education better. I'm, I'm in love with this book. Well, and I know that everybody who reads it is going to be as well. I got so fortunate to do a preview copy and I just love so much. Like you shared, it's exactly, you know, it best um, encapsulates perfectly. And I felt reading it that I just felt confident that each one of you has such great uh, value to give and that as I was reading it, I was, it helped me because I was like, okay, I'm affirmed in what I've done well. And, oh, I'm not alone in what I've done (laughs) poorly before. (laughs) And you just get this really empowering message about, yeah, and we've been there, but you too can also do better just like we did. And I just, so great. It's a community builder. And I'm so excited for people to, to catch on to this story. And so a huge part of that. And, um, and I was able to read this already, but I'd love for my listeners to hear, can you just share a little bit about like your education journey, you know, we're featuring you on teacher series here. So what got you all lit up and passionate about doing this work? Yeah. So I am in my 11th year of teaching, which is a little crazy to think about that. I've been doing this for 11 years and I have been, I've taught everything from third grade through 10th grade, math, science, reading. I even actually funny story. I did my student teaching in Ireland and they had me teaching uh, sex ed to inner city Dublin kids <laughs> who were in seventh grade. So I've, I've taught a lot of different things and my family is full of teachers. My sister knew she was going to be a teacher when she was five years old and she never wavered from that. I was not um, of that same singular focus. In fact, I didn't know I was going to be a teacher until halfway through college. I, I always knew that I wanted to be somewhere where I would change the world. Like I, my parents from when I was the a really young child, when they asked what I wanted to do when I grew up, my answer was, I want to change the world. And I didn't know what that looked like. And I discovered partway through college that the way I would change the world was by changing the world for a student in my classroom, for the kids that I work with and the kids that I teach. And so I just really found my home in education and I found my passion. And the longer I have been teaching, the stronger that passion and the stronger that commitment Gets. We are so fortunate to be living in a world that has so many incredible, amazing young people. And what they need is for us to say, yes, you got this. Go. We can do this together and you can change the world, too. And I'm getting chills right now. I'm such a geek, Sarah. Um, like the very <laughs> fact that I get to spend every day of my life helping kids believe in themselves and helping kids be on that journey, whether it's through a lens of teaching math or teaching sex ed to seventh graders. Like I, I love every step of that journey. And the fact that I can help a kid find their own journey is just unreal. I'm blessed. It's so inspirational to hear you talk and you say you just geek out. It makes me want to geek out. It's awesome. And it's, it's really contagious, that passion. And that's the kind of life we all want to live. So clearly you found that calling, which is really beautiful. I love it. I, I, I love it. It hasn't all been roses and, sh- and sunshine. It's been anybody who reads the book will know. And you know that we talk about our rock bottoms, our, our very lowest of low points. And I've had my fair share of them. But the thing that keeps me coming back is the fact that I'm there for the kids. And that's, that's everything to me. Well, and you segued right into what I was going to talk about, because, you know, this in a podcast, I'm so glad we've been able to hear about your 
you know, contributions to the Teach Better team. And now we've heard, you know, what got you into education, but we also like to always unpack a little bit more in regard to the struggles and the challenges that that our listeners have overcome. So do you want to kind of go down that path? You, If you want to share a little bit, even just personally, um, sure. to lead you that profession, however you want to go with it. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I mean, there's, when I am thinking about the struggles I've had or, or the, the road bumps in my, in my journey, there's the ones that have to do with teaching and my career. And I can talk about how I, I had a long-term sub position almost locked in for a full-time position. And it was something my family really, really needed. And I made some, some choices that in retrospect were not the greatest choices in terms of the curriculum I was presenting to my students, nothing crazy, but it just wasn't a well-designed unit. And because of that and some parents reaction, I lost that long-term sub position and that, that turned out not to become a full-time position. And I initially really kicked myself about it and beat myself up about it. And not only beat myself up about it, but raged out at the world for, um, what I labeled as other people's ignorance. But I'm so glad that I had that that moment, that terrible experience, because it pushed me in a new way. And at some point I had to say to myself, okay, listen, this sucks. I, I have to borrow money from my parents to take my kid to the doctor. I have to, you know, now scramble and scrounge to try and find a full-time teaching position while I'm coping with all of this. I'm inadequate feeling, right? And that experience made me really stop and reevaluate what I was doing in my career and why I was doing it. And it was about six or seven years ago. So I was maybe four years into teaching and it really got me to the point where I had to stop and say, yeah, sometimes things aren't fair. Sometimes things aren't right, but you always can choose how you respond to those situations. You can choose to respond with anger, with frustration, with fear, with, with sorrow, or you can choose to respond in a way that's going to propel you forward. And, and that lesson is one that gets reiterated in my life story again and again and again. So if we look from career, right, where I had this really horrible experience and then personal, I not many people know this, Sarah, but I have fibromyalgia and I have thyroid disease and I have a handful of other um, health issues that can be at times really crippling. And my mother always told me growing up, Tiffany, you can't choose what happens to you, but you can always choose how you respond to it. And so every time, you know, these really low points in my life hit, I can't always see it in the moment, but I'm always able to come back to that and say, yeah, how am I going to respond to this? How am I going to move forward? How am I going to take this to shape me into the person that I'm going to become, not get stuck in this moment where everything is so hard and so terrible? I, I think struggles are what what makes the joy in life and the happiness in life more real, right? If, if you never have those struggles, sometimes it's hard to see the glory of what's so incredible in your life. Oh, right. And what an inspirational story that you lay out, you know, just even kind of going back to that first part where you talk about the the role, the job that you had wanted. And I love how you 
so modestly and with great humility and wisdom outline the fact that there were pieces that you had to learn. And, you know, there's pieces of your character that needed to be refined maybe to get to you. Now look at you, look at the success and look at the amplification and the way that you're impacting others. Um, Looking back at that piece where you're like, I I couldn't even get this job turned turned into a (laughs) job. And here you are, you're, you know, you are a leader among teachers. And it's really fabulous to see how challenge brought you through the grind and the fire forged woman that you are today. And I so value and appreciate the vulnerability you have in sharing about your health struggles. And I have to admit, I honestly don't know much about fibromyalgia. Would you be willing to just share about some of the kind of struggles that you have to go through in having that condition? Yeah, sure. So um, fibromyalgia is not very well understood by both the medical community and the public, but essentially in a nutshell, it means that I'm in pain every day. So Hmm. muscle pain, bone pain, constant pain, uh, pain (laughs) all day, every day. And I have, I have better days and I have worse days. And, um, on a worse day, it's, it's pretty rough. And sometimes I'm in bed for most of the day. But on the good days, it's manageable and it's not too bad. Um, imagine imagine somebody that you haven't seen in a while coming up to you and giving you a great big bear hug, right? And that's a wonderful thing and that, that feels so good. But for me, that great big bear hug is incredibly painful. And when I was first diagnosed right after my, my middle daughter was born, so seven years ago, it was crippling. It was um, all-consuming. And... It was so life consuming that it was difficult to see beyond it. And now it's still there. The pain is still there. It's more manageable now, but it's still a daily reminder that, hey, you, you can't just go do the things that perhaps somebody else could do without pain. And so just as with the the struggles in my career or with any struggle in my life, I have gotten myself to the point where I can look at it as not not the burden that it is. I mean, realistically, it's a burden, but not as this um, pulling me down kind of thing, but as something that I say, this isn't going to beat me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to let the pain I feel every day. I'm not going to let my health challenges stop me from living my life to the fullest and stop me from achieving my dreams. So the only choice then is to figure out how to manage it and figure out how to move forward from it and use it as fuel to the fire to push through every day. It's a blessing, which again, sounds really weird, but I am so grateful that I have it because it gives me a perspective that I did not have before. So I'm grateful for my pain. And again, I'm grateful that you'd be willing to share that. You know, it's something... I've been guilty of this. You know, I'll admit, I'm just thinking in terms of my own personal struggles and coming back from the challenges that I've had. And I think, you know, it's just, it's all about your mindset. It's all about how you approach life. Uh, And, and I'm not going to diminish the things that I've been through or diminish anything that the listeners have been through, but just adding that layer where you're faced with that constant physical battle makes it even more impressive that you're sitting here with that message about the fact that you are happy for the pain because it makes you stronger. It makes you more able to be grateful for the joys in life. I mean, that is, (laughs) it's exceptional, Tiffany. You're, You're an inspiring person for that alone. And I commend you. Thank you. It's, people have said that to me before when I, when I talk about my pain and 
I share it because I want somebody else who's in the same place as me. Like I, I don't hesitate to share my vulnerabilities or, or share the struggles because when I was in my lowest, what I needed more than anything else was to know that I wasn't alone. So whether it's pain from fibromyalgia or whether it's pain from any other area that, that you, the listeners are experiencing, knowing that you are not alone in your struggle is so powerful. So it takes somebody who has who's willing to just say, yep, I'm vulnerable. Here's me and all of my everything to share that so that people can see, okay, it's all right. We yeah. got this. And, and I always tell, I have a 15 year old daughter. I always tell her growing up cause she had, she had some, some challenges. Um, she's my stepdaughter and she had some challenges growing up. And I always said, listen, honey, listen, Rachel, everybody has their hard thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their hard thing. Whatever your hard thing is, you get to choose what you do with that hard thing. Your mm-hmm. hard thing is not harder than somebody else's hard thing. Everybody has a hard thing. So what are you going to do now? And that's the philosophy I've taken when it comes to my own hard things. That's awesome. And I'm sure that it serves not only you very well in all aspects of your full life, but clearly as you illustrated with her, um, you know, it helps to allow you to uplift others. And so I can see where that is a part of what you were talking about by being grateful with your pain. And it's not a surprise then too. And I think about how excited you were to talk about helping the students in your world and impacting them. I'm sure it just gives you a really nice viewpoint of making those days count, you know, the good days, the days when you're feeling better than others, maybe. Every one of them. Yeah. That's awesome. Super inspiring. Okay. (laughs) So you mentioned that you have, um, you have actually more than one child. I do. I feel like it's important for my listeners. It's like, I'm going, okay, so you're part-time teaching, you're (laughs) part-time rocking it with the Teach Better team. You got this book coming out. You are majorly involved in a lot of aspects, but you, I know you're a huge part of the mastery learning chat. Do you want to, you know, um, so there's a lot going on, but Mastery Chat's my baby. That that's my Twitter chat that that I started a couple years ago, and now it's grown so much, and I love it. So I just have to talk about real quick. Mastery Chat's awesome. I love that. Hey, that's I want you to talk. Actually, share because I know that my listeners are going to be like, okay, where has Tiffany Ott been all my life, and <laughs> let's learn more about her. So go ahead and talk about Mastery Chat because then they can join in with you. Sure. So a couple of years ago, when like after the conversation with Jeff at the park with our kids, and I was starting to kind of get involved in the idea of blogging and sharing my story, I joined Twitter and I started participating in Twitter chats. And I thought, this is really cool. I really like that I can just have a real conversation with people around the world and talk about education and grow together. And so I said to the team, I said, we need to have a Twitter chat. And we called it Mastery Chat. And I will never forget the very first mastery chat just over two years ago, we were sitting in a hotel outside of Atlanta, Georgia, because we were about to go to a conference and we had been like plugging this chat all day at the conference. I'm like, yeah, come check out master chat. And we're sitting in the hotel and there were a total of six people participating in mastery chat, <laughs> four of it, four of which were us. <laughs> and now mastery chat has a group of people, we generally have 100 participants every single week who come and, and share their stories. And we have some people who have been with us for two years and new people coming every week. And the topics vary from, I mean, pick a topic in education, and we probably talked about it, but always with this focus of where are we now? How can we take a step and be better? And where can we go from here? 
And I, I love that community. The Mastery Chat community is a highlight of my week every Thursday at eight o'clock. It's just fabulous. Yeah, it's and it's a great community. Um, I've been <laughs> blessed to be able to be a part of that. And it's just such a, you. I can't believe it's only two years old because you have such a great <laughs> process in place that makes it so um, authentic and actually useful because I know a lot of people will say, oh, you know, they don't do the chats anymore because I've heard the term mm-hmm. echo chamber, um, yes. you know, in relation to Twitter. So do you have any things to say about that? (laughs) Oh, I do. I do. In fact, so I I do a lot of the back end work of finding moderators and communicating with moderators leading up to the chat. And I'm always encouraging people to ask questions that are going to push us to ask questions that are going to move us away from an echo chamber, because as with so many things in the modern world, you surround yourself by people who think similarly to you and then the conversation becomes very one-sided and everybody's saying the same thing. So I love a chat that really challenges us and really pushes us and makes us question right then and there, is this real? Is this true the way I've been thinking about this for a long time? And so I will frequently encourage people during Mastery Chat, debate, push each other, question each other. This is a platform for civil discourse. And I love it when we have somebody in the chat who really push back against pretty much anything that is being said in the chat questions. I'm like, yes, tell me more. Let's talk about this. And sometimes they actually engage with me and we have a conversation and that's great. But I really, you know, that platform, Twitter is a platform that you can reach people around the world from a million different perspectives. And if we close ourselves off and we don't actively cultivate the difference of opinions that exists on there, we miss out on so much. I learn so much when somebody challenges me on something I say. And so I love it when I get that. So I always try and encourage that in mastery chat and sometimes tweak questions specifically to be like, let's make it this way so we can really <laughs> stir up the pot. Cause that that's fun. I like it. We learn together when we're challenged. Well, and that's such a perfect example of, again, your, you know, your ever love of teaching and teach better and learning <laughs> and not everybody has yeah. that sense. You know, it's, it's hard, you know, putting yourself and your thoughts out there in the public opinion forum is not an easy thing for a lot of us to do. But once we get in there, it's really nice to have that community to grow us, to continue to grow us. And so I'm glad that you were able to share about that because it is a really, really great chat and something for you to be very proud of. I I love it. So yes, yes, I'm very busy, Sarah. So I've got master chat. (laughs) I've got my part-time job, which is really a full-time job. I've got my teach better job, which feels like a full-time job. And I have three kids. So, oh, and a husband. He's like a fourth kid. So we can just count them in that. (laughs) Yeah. And I want you to share the spread of the ages of those kids because that just (laughs) blew me away. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I have the 15-year-old Rachel, who's, this is her first year of high school, which is fun. (laughs) Quote, fun. Um, I have a seven-year-old who's almost eight, Kaya. She is in third grade. And then I have the little monster of the house, Lincoln, who is three and taking the world by storm uh, with the exuberance that I can only hope to ever attain someday. He is is incredible and crazy. (laughs) So awesome. And I thought that the terrible twos were something, but it turns oh. out that people lied. <laughs> oh three. my gosh, two it's is three. Easy. <laughs> I remember with with my other ones, three, I was like, what happened? I thought it was supposed to get better. So at least with Lincoln, I was prepared for that. 
mentally that three was going to be harder than two. And he just turned three. So I'm not even on like the far end of three. I've got the rest of three to come. So (laughs) it's an adventure every day in my life. I'm going to be have to send, I will send you like a care package or something after this, <laughs> come, you know, because that seems like a long stretch of a year, but you have all these other gifts that are given to you to, yes. to kind of guide you through that. And, you know, I just, I think it's so glad that you shared that. And then you started to say, I'm busy. So I'm just curious <laughs> what, I know I didn't put that. I think this is going to be a hard question for you, but since you like to be pushed, yeah. what are some ways that you um, are able to retain some of your Tiffany <laughs> identity? Because you do, you're, teacher and mom and leader and and we can get so lost in those titles and do you have a space that you make for yourself you know I I you allude to the fact that it's hard when when you have so many different things that you have your hands in it's very difficult to take the minute take the space and say no this has to be me time I have to take care of myself and I'm not always really good at it but I've gotten a lot better at it as the years have gone by um, out of necessity. You know, I think I, I never knew how difficult being a working mom in my 30s was going to be until I got here. And my mom, bless her soul, she's an incredible woman. One time a few years back, I look at her, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. This is so hard. And she's like, yes, this is, this is like the hardest time, Tiffany, but it's going to be okay. And you're going to get through it. And... What I've had to like really force myself to do is not only rely on the people around me who love and care for me deeply. So my husband will say to me, whoa, Tiffany, things are getting a little cray cray. I think it's time that you take some self-care. And so he'll kind of, you know, go run me a bath and say, you need 30 minutes of you time. So why don't you go take that? And my parents are always looking out for me. They're always um, hypervigilant when it comes to my well-being. And so my mom will be like, Tiffany you're starting to slack a little bit on taking care of yourself and finding time for yourself. And, and, you know, Sarah, it is so hard. It is, it is so hard to carve out that time in your life. And so I have to get creative about it and I have to get very purposeful about it. So I have all of these different, um, all of these different support systems in place who can alert me when I can't see myself that things are starting to fall apart, that things are starting to get a little bit too hard. So they all come in and they say, Tiffany, no, you need to take better care of yourself. And so what if that means, you know, cutting back an obligation I have, whether to the Teach Better team or at my teaching job, or really being able to say to myself, it's okay if I can't do X because I have to take care of myself. Like that's taking mm-hmm. care of yourself is more important than the rest. And I say that kind of laughing because I'm still not that great at it, but Mm-hmm. I have learned to put a little bit more time into saying pause on the world. Everything needs to stop. I need to take care of myself. And I think that too comes, you know, with the diagnosis of fibromyalgia that we talked about and all these different health things, there came a point where it's like, I physically can't keep pushing myself. Like I was at a breaking point several times. And when you hit this breaking point, you got to make a decision. I'm going to take care of myself or I'm going to break even further and breaking even further isn't an option. So if that means going and talking to my doctor, going and talking to my therapist, going and talking to somebody, carving out periods of of time in my day, journaling, whatever it takes, I've learned that I have to absolutely have to give myself that time and space to do that or else everything else that I love and cherish so much in my life isn't supported if I'm not supported. Wow. And I'm so proud of you for that. Um, and I appreciate that you say that, you know, I 
it sounds like you have a lot of good circuit breakers in place. And I love to hear that your husband will even point it out. That's good. That's, yeah. that's solid, you know, surrounding yourself with good people and having that support system, but also just acknowledging that it's, it's always a battle and you have to recalibrate and, you know, letting it fall off the plate is a dire consequence. So I'm proud of you for that and acknowledging it. And I know that my listeners are going, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, you know, so such wisdom. Well, and also I think Sarah, you, you know, with my, with my own kids and with the kids I teach every day at school, I'm constantly counseling them like, Hey, when's the last time you did something for yourself? And I, I'm, I can't be spouting those messages to them and then not taking any of that yeah. advice myself too. So it's like, okay, that's kind of hypocritical. I need to not only practice, I need to practice what I preach because I'm always telling my students and my children, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. And so good too. And in, in relation to a lot of the different concepts in our lives that we could probably um, apply that to, but one that really, um, I think for any age or stage for us, no matter if we have children or if we don't for uh, working professional people with full lives, we've got to keep that in mind. So I really am glad that we went there. We went on that path. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have yeah. a couple standard questions that I always ask on this podcast, Tiffany, if I'm not careful, we'll talk forever tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> no okay, so the first one is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Maybe I'll focus in on, on education in my career right now, because I think there's a lot of, lot I could have said to myself 10 years ago that would have saved me quite a bit of struggle. When I was a young teacher, I always... Like I have a problem with authority. I always have my entire life. And I never much liked the fact that because I was a new teacher, people sometimes dismissed my ideas or thought that my ideas weren't as valuable as they were. And so when I was young, I used to think that if I didn't like firmly stick to what my vision for education was, that it would never happen. Um, and, and, and I would rage out about the fact that other people couldn't see this vision that I saw. And so the letter that I would write to myself is you don't have to compromise what your vision is just because other people can't see it. But you do, you absolutely do have to think about how your vision can be more than you thought it could be when you stop fighting against the people who don't see it and start working to support them. Because if I could have told myself people who feel supported around you will listen to you. I mean, that seems like such a logical thing, right? Like if somebody feels like you support them, they're going to hear what you have to say. But 10 years ago, I wasn't in that frame of mind. It was like, you're ignoring everything I say and you shouldn't because I'm right and you're wrong. And now it's like, I'm going to support you. And then eventually we're going to get to this place together that's better than both of us thought it ever could be. So I'd say don't compromise your vision, but realize your vision can grow when you get other people on board with you. That's really wise. Um and sounds a lot like 20s versus 30s. <laughs> yes, yes. Ah, wisdom of age. Man, if only I had known then what I know now, right? Oh, but it's so great that we can write those letters to ourselves on this podcast. I love it. So how about um, if, if listeners are out there and they're finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they need to hear Tiffany's wonderful voice to help them come right back out of that, what would you say to them? I, I always struggle with the idea a little bit, Sarah, that people see me as inspirational or influential because I'm just me doing me and I'm just me being me. And I don't want to separate myself from everybody else in the trenches because I'm right there with you guys. I hope that the people who are in their, their deepest struggle know that you too have the potential and the power and the capability 
to get to the point where we can add to the conversation. And when you're feeling in that pit, right, when you're in that struggle, you feel like nobody sees you and nobody hears you and you're all alone. And we look around the world and we're like, this is, it's impossible to overcome. It's overwhelming. I look around the corner and everything's wrong. But the message I want people to know is that where you were yesterday just really doesn't define who you are today. And who you are today does not define who you are tomorrow. No matter how low or how dark or how rough it is right now, you have no way of possibly knowing what tomorrow can bring. And you can shape every single day of your life from this point forward. So you can decide now to to nurture the spark within you and to just go one step forward and one step forward and know that it doesn't matter who you're listening to on a podcast, who you're reading about in a book, who you're you know, looking up to or aspiring to be, we are all walking hand in hand together through this. And all of us are on this same journey. So don't feel alone because I'm right there with you. Like I'm right there in the pit with you next to you and struggling through it in the same way you are. I love it. And it is really inspirational. Uh, that you share that and this idea too of just just strive to be your best version and and that comes through in so much of what you do Tiffany and the work that you do through Teach Better and your own messaging is just really beautiful so thank you for sharing that wisdom with my listeners thank you Sarah okay so Tiffany I know that my listeners are going to want to engage with you and so I know that you're everywhere but what is the <laughs> best way for them to you know if they're like I gotta talk to Tiffany what would what would you suggest they connect with you what what space? Yeah. So first of all, please do connect with me because I love geeking out with people about education and I love hearing your struggles and sorting through them with you. So make sure you do that. Two of the best ways are probably through Twitter. My Twitter handle is at techieteachot and through my email address, tiffany at teachbetter.com. Those are the, the two platforms that I check most frequently. That's good. And I'll be sure to link all that up in the show notes so that our listeners can get right to you. Well, Tiffany, I thank you so much. You've got so much to celebrate. We're so happy to amplify you today and your story. And I am so excited for listeners to come to not only this episode, but to grab a hold of your book and just learn and grow with you. So thank you so much for this awe-inspiring interview today. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on here. And I can't wait to walk on that journey with, with everybody that comes along. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.